1: Good morning. I'm pretty excited this morning, but I have to tell you that I'm a little emotional today as well. In March, my family had a memorial service for my grandfather, and today would have been his 95th birthday. So if I start crying, uh, I don't ask for your forgiveness, just your understanding. But it was my grandfather who had a great deal of influence in my life that propelled me to have a love for our country. My grandfather, even though on his orders he's a, considered a Korean War veteran, but as my grandfather would state it, that when he was uh, entered into the Army Air Force, he was an aircraft mechanic, that uh, the time he got to Korea, the war was over, but um, uh, but my grandfather very much had a great influence on my life and the reason why I joined the Army. So my grandfather, I say, had the influence of me joining the Army, but it was John Wayne who caused me to go into the Calvary. <laughs> but understanding the freedom that we have in our country, I, I took our country for granted as a child, the freedom. I, you know, this time of year, we would sing songs, uh, about our country, we would, uh, you know, talk about uh, the sacrifice of, uh, of those that made for the freedom that we enjoy today. But I really, even though we we sung songs and even though I took American history and I took government, it, it wasn't until I served our country that deepened. My love for the United States of America. I love our freedom. And when I began to visit foreign countries, it even, (laughs) we have it great in our country. And maybe you've sang the song in school My country, tis of thee. Sweet land of liberty. Any of you sing that song growing up? There's a line in there in the very beginning. It says, of thee I sing, land where my fathers died. Land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. When we consider that, that idea of let freedom ring... We have to understand that in our country, we were, we, we were oppressed at one time, and our forefathers who lived in that time stood up against the tyranny and were willing to shed their blood that we today can enjoy the freedom that we have. And so the writer of this song, when he says let freedom ring, the idea is that, that we are to preserve and protect and promote freedom. To let freedom ring. To let generation after generation know that our country has enjoyed this great freedom and, it, and it's worth keeping. It's worth fighting for. It's worth dying for. Let freedom ring. However, there's a greater freedom that each of us can experience today that is greater than the freedom that we have in our country, and that is the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Appreciate Aaron. I didn't know Aaron was going to read that passage of Scripture but it's so appropriate for the message today, because if the sun sets you free, you are truly free indeed. And if you can capture that one thought today, I've done my job. (laughs) Because it is Jesus that sets us free. But maybe like, like I was about my country, maybe you know Jesus, but But maybe sometimes through your Christian walk in life, you've just kind of taken your salvation, the life that Christ has given you, for granted. I hope today that you will have an appreciation, a deeper appreciation, of exactly what Christ did for you. Because what you're going to see this morning is that we are oppressed by sin and death. And for our freedom, it came at a great cost For the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave willingly and freely His only begotten Son to die on a cross that whosoever believes in Him will receive everlasting life. He won't perish. He sets us free. And if we appreciate the freedom that Christ has given us, we as God's people need to let that freedom ring. We need to tell the gospel to our children, to our grandchildren, to our neighbor, to our friend, from California to the sands of Kuwait, from Canada to Peru, from the jungles of Africa to Russia. We must let freedom ring, the freedom that we have in Christ. So that's the title of the message this morning, let freedom ring. But to appreciate freedom that we have in Christ, when I say you in our text, I really mean we. It's kind of like that old one finger to you and I got like a bunch pointed back. I'm talking to myself just as much as I am to you. So, you need, I need, we need to understand your enslavement to sin and death. Whether we realize it or not, humanity is born bound, enslaved, oppressed by sin which results in death. It's inevitable. We all face it. And we need to understand the depth of control and influence that sin and death has in our life. And so we need to understand that everyone is a sinner because of the disobedience of Adam. Where did sin and death come from? Well, if we go back to the Garden of Eden, God created man perfect. He did not have a sin nature. He enjoyed fellowship with God as God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. He enjoyed uh, his, his wife Eve. They didn't have any marriage problems. Isn't that wonderful? And God only gave them one command that's recorded in the Scripture. Out of all the trees that I've created for you, they're all good for food you can consume but one. Do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, as the story unfolds, we understand that satan came in he deceived eve she ate she gave to her husband and i want you to understand that adam knew what he was doing the bible says that he sinned willfully and he took bite of that fruit rebelled against god and from that time forward all of humanity has been cursed apostle paul reminds us therefore just as sin came into the world through one man that is adam and death through sin And so death spread to all men because all sinned. So every single person in this room, in this town, in this country, in our state, and around the world has a sin nature. We're not sinners because we stole something. We're not sinners because we committed murder or adultery. No, we're sinners by nature. And because we are by nature, then we steal and kill and destroy. So everyone is a sinner because of the fall of Adam and his disobedience to God. It's inevitable. We are sinners by nature. We need to understand it, and it enslaves us. Why do we have wrong thoughts? It's that sin nature. Why do sometimes we do the wrong things? Because it's our sin nature. Yes, we we might all have our trips and hang-ups and sin differently, but it's because of the sin nature that's within us that plagues us, that seems to just, you know, corrupt us, that we're enslaved to it. And the result of sin is death. Death through sin. You know, God told Adam that the day you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Now this death took, two ways he would begin to die physically but he died spiritually i love looking at pictures and i look at mine and jenny's wedding pictures i was a good looking kid She's still a beautiful bride. She still looks good. I don't know what happened to me. I do. It's the sin nature. I aged. I'm not as skinny as I was. I didn't have to wear glasses all the time then. I didn't have two titanium rods in my back. My knees, my knees didn't ache. Oh, cursed sin. We begin to age, and we begin to ache, and when our bodies break down. That's due to Sin. My grandfather succumbed to the sin nature when he passed away in March. But can I tell you today that his body may lay in the grave, but because he knew Jesus, his spirit is in the presence of God. Amen. And yours can be too. But the result of sin is death. It's inevitable. We 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 are all susceptible to death. It's inevitable all because of sin. And sin has no excuse before God. You can't sit here today and say, well, you know what? I, I didn't know any better. There's no excuse. I'm sure it works really well with the police officer that pulled you over for speeding, right? Right? Officer, I really didn't see the speed sign. Okay, here you go, pay the fine. Ignorance isn't an excuse. Paul showed that when he was writing to the church at Rome. He says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law. So the law was a prescription that people would know: you know, to honor God, to worship God alone, down to honor thy father and mother. Don't commit adultery, don't steal, but sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So what Paul is saying here is that, look, first of all, the law was given that our sin might become exceedingly sinful, But the results of sin remained. People still sinned before Moses and the law. Paul earlier in the chapters of Rome talked about Romans talked about that how the how the Gentiles who had no law still did the things of the law in their heart. But just because it wasn't codified, if you will, written down, there's no excuse. Sin has no excuse before God. So you would say, you know what, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. It doesn't matter. There's none good. none, No, not one, the Bible tells us. You can't say, well, I, I didn't know it was wrong. Sorry, no excuse. We're enslaved to sin and death because we are sinners by nature. And may and, and may also say that there is no ounce of good that we can do to outweigh the sinful nature in our lives to justify ourselves before a holy and righteous God. It has no excuse. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Law, no law, doesn't matter. We are trapped in the inevitable consequences of dealing with our sin, which results in death. So, there's no way we can escape sin and death. Hopeless. Sounds hopeless, right? But there's good news except through Jesus. Except through Jesus. Without Jesus, we are hopeless. (laughs) We have to face the sin nature which results in death. We are corrupted, but as Paul tells us, for the wages of sin is death. All that sin can earn is death and separation from God. But I love the buts in the Bible, don't you? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So to appreciate our freedom, we need to understand our enslavement to sin and death. It, before Christ, it controls every thought, every action. It, it results in death. We are enslaved to it. It, 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 just, it. it causes destruction in our life. But through Christ, we can experience Freedom. Freedom from sin and death. Sin doesn't have to be the controlling agent in our life. As a believer, we can say no. Because greater is He who lives in us than he who is in the world. So to appreciate freedom, you need to understand God's amazing grace. God's amazing grace. Paul begins in our text to make contrasts between Adam and Jesus. I want to look at three particular contrasts that help us understand God's amazing grace. The first contrast is a little wordy. It's a little wordy. I tried to narrow it down to simplify it I couldn't do it. So hang on, I had to use two slides to get it done. Contrast number one. Adam's trespass impacted all men, resulting in the physical and spiritual death. Already comment on that. That's one side. But this is God's amazing grace. Even though we are enslaved, this has such an impact in our life, The contrast is that the grace of God and the free gift is superior in every regard and is available to all men, which can result in life. I want you to just take notice of the word grace for a moment. Sometimes we give it a basic definition of unmerited favor. That is a good definition. Because what we, what we see here is that we are sinful, we are corrupt, we deserve death, we are unworthy, and God, by His grace, is saying, I want to offer to you and to all humanity something that you are not worthy of, a gift of life. I want you to take it because I love you. Humanity is the crown of God's creation. You are valuable to God where He says that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. I'm offering something to you freely and willingly for you to receive. Because I don't want you to be enslaved to sin any longer. And I want, God wants a relationship with you as he did once with Adam in the garden before he fell. An intimate relationship. Grace. Adam's sin resulted in death but God by his grace and the free gift is superior to sin and death And and's available, available to us all which results in life but can i say that grace it isn't free It doesn't cost you anything, don't get me wrong. But it costs God everything. Because for us to receive grace and to enjoy freedom, freedom comes at a price. And it was Jesus who manifested himself in an earthly body, he came to be born as a man. 100% 100% God, 100% man. To suffer, to bleed, to die, to pay for the wages of sin for all humanity. He took your punishment and mine. We deserve death. Jesus says, I will take it for them. And an offer to us, because I paid the price, I'm offering you a free gift Will you take it? Will you take it? The grace of God and the free gift is superior. So many times we see in our text the words much more. Notice what Paul says. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, much more. Superior. Greater have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man. Jesus Christ abounded, overflowing the banks, if you will, for many. Contrast number two. I got this one on one slide. Adam's sin resulted in condemnation, but the free gift brought justification. Condemnation. Notice what? Paul says, and the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So, in other words, when we're born, we are men and women condemned. Condemned. We have a sentence that we have to pay. We're condemned to die. But Jesus, through Jesus, He can turn our condemnation into justification. I love this word justification. Literally, it just kind of means declared righteous. If you can imagine a court scene And the judge is to pronounce the sentence on the defendant. And all the evidence weighs against him as guilty and he's going to be condemned. Justification would be that our advocate, Jesus, would stand before the judge and said, but I paid his penalty. The judge seeing Jesus who paid his penalty would then declare the defendant justified, declared righteous because of the work that Christ did in his life. So where Adam's sin brought condemnation, the work of Christ, if we accept his free gift of salvation, brings justification. Think about that. No matter what wrong we have done in life, When we accept Christ, we are declared righteous. We are justified. We are not held guilty any longer. That's amazing grace, isn't it? Therefore, since we have been justified. This is Paul speaking to believers at Rome. Therefore, we've been justified, declared righteous. How were they declared righteous? by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see to be justified you, you you don't do community service in order to get your 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 sins, you know, atoned for, paid for. You don't pay a penalty or a fine. Jesus paid that penalty for you. And the only way to receive it is by belief. Believing. Having faith of who Jesus Christ is. The Son of God. The Savior of the world who, is, who, who, who died on your behalf. Was buried. Raised again three days later. And was raised from the dead. He lives today making intercession for us. Jesus. Jesus. If we believe in Him and the work that He did, and what God, has done and God is doing, and God's saying, "Here, take my free gift. Will you believe and receive it?" Because if not, notice the words Jesus had with Nicodemus in John 3:18. "Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. I love that promise. I wish I could stop right there. Do you believe? Because if you believe, you're not condemned. But if you don't believe, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. We need to let freedom ring. Trust Jesus. And you can go from death to life. From condemnation to justification because of what Christ did for us. And God says, here, yeah, you don't deserve it, but I love you. Take it. That's just God's amazing grace. So the third contrast. Adam's trespass caused death to reign. But Jesus, through the free gift of righteousness, allowed believers to reign in Life. Notice what Paul wrote. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. In other words, you know what? Death is king on humanity. It rules. It reigns. it It is an insufferable tyrant that plagues humanity. But because of Jesus, much more, greater of surpassing value, will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I love how Paul said it in the book of Colossians chapter 1. That we... We're enslaved to the domain of darkness. But because we believe in Christ, we've been transferred to the kingdom of His dear Son. You see, what happens when when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we're moved from the kingdom of sin and death to the kingdom of Jesus, which is one of righteousness and holiness. And He is the ruler and the one who reigns in our life, and we get to reign in life with Him. We are king priests as believers. (laughs) We don't deserve it. But through Jesus, we can have it. You see, inevitably, what we see is what we lost in Adam. The whole intention and desire that God had for Adam He was to have dominion over the earth. He was to multiply and without sin and have great fellowship and communion and intimate relationship with God. Because of sin, it interrupted all of that. But we gain it in Christ. We gain it in Christ. So not only to appreciate our freedom. Do we need to understand our enslavement to sin and death? We need to understand God's amazing grace. I know I, for one, do not deserve what God has granted to me. But he gave it so willingly, so freely. His life in exchange for mine, because he loved me. And, you know, he wants a relationship with me. Doesn't God know what thoughts I have? Doesn't God know what actions that I've done? Oh, yeah, he knows. But he still loves me, and he wants a relationship with me, and that is true for you. We need to understand God's amazing grace. Third point, to appreciate freedom you need to understand the outcome of your freedom in Christ. The outcome of your freedom in Christ. There's three things, quickly. Outcome number one, you have justification and life. Paul says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So the outcome of our relationship with Christ, of our acceptance of the free gift, we are declared righteous and we have life. We are no longer condemned and enslaved to sin and death. We have uh, we've been justified. We've been declared right, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. And as a result, we have life, eternal life. And I'll get to that in just a moment. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Second outcome righteousness. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Righteous. There is none righteous, the Scriptures tell us, but one. That's Jesus. And when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are clothed with His righteousness. Because of the shed blood of Jesus, we can be washed and made clean, and we can stand before a holy God as a righteous woman, man, or child. That's the outcome. Third is eternal life. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice he didn't say temporary life. It's eternal life. Yes, us Baptists, we believe once saved, always saved, and that is an eternal truth. Once we come to know Jesus Christ our Savior, we can't slip back into death. Jesus can't come back and die again. The work that Jesus Christ did on the cross was sufficient, Amen. the one and only time. And when we accept Jesus, we have eternal life. How long is eternal? I don't know. Forever. doesn't stop. We possess it now as believers and will experience it in the future. Yes, our bodies may suffer physical death, but as Paul says, we are absent from the body and present with the Lord. We have eternal life. And you can have that life today. Eternal life. When I was 17 years old, I went to a church service much like this. It was a little more traditional in nature. The pastor had an altar call. First time, I've heard, really, the gospel got a hold of me. There was a lot of people at the altar that day. I came up, the pastor had me talk to another preacher in church, and there he opened up the Scriptures, and it was as if God was speaking to me, showing me my need, that I was a sinner, I was enslaved to sin and death, but he showed me what Christ did for me, that he died on the cross, that I, could be, I can escape the treachery of sin and death, that I could be made right before God and receive eternal life. And I didn't have to labor for it. I didn't have to worry about how good I was because there's only one good, that's Jesus. And He was sufficient, and He took my sins, He nailed them on the cross with Him, and I could be forgiven, washed, made whole, made clean. I just simply had to receive and believe. With such amazing grace, with such an outcome, how can I not tell those I love about Jesus? How can I not tell my friends and neighbors what Christ has done for me and for you? In fact, when I accepted Christ, I wasn't sure. My parents didn't go to church at the time. I was a little nervous going home. I was excited and thrilled, but I didn't know what my parents would say. I'm very thankful that my parents were very appreciative. I went to work. I worked for Whitey's Pet Shop. I worked in the fish department. I had a lot of aquariums growing up. Trust me, you can ask Jenny. I had a 300-gallon aquarium in my parents' living room. Still don't know where it's at today after I left. But Jenny wouldn't let me have that big of one in her house today, so. But I worked for Whitey's Pet Shop, and I made a convic- I was convicted from day one I oftentimes had to work Sundays and I went into my boss's office his name was John and I said John over the weekend I I came to know Christ as my Savior and I want to be in church on Sundays I want to worship Jesus can I have Sundays off I was really nervous but you know what he said absolutely He goes, but hey, if I need you in an emergency, would you be willing to come in? I said, absolutely. He let me have Sundays off. It was very rare that I ever had to work on a Sunday. Then I began to share to my neighbors and to my friends. Why? Because of what Jesus did for me. And I hoped that the whole world would experience The same thing that I experienced so many years ago of trusting Jesus as their Savior to let freedom ring. So, what steps can we take this morning to let freedom ring? I only know I put two here, but there could be others. But first of all, do you need to acknowledge your sin this morning? Do you need to realize that, you know what, I am enslaved to sin and the result to death, and I need to repent. That means turn away from and accept Jesus as your Savior. That's where it all begins. Do you need to take that step this morning? I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to do this, that. Or, maybe you're a believer. Do you have a family member, a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker who needs Jesus, Have you not shared the gospel? Have you been hesitant to do that? Will you tell them? Will you love them? Would you tell them what Jesus did for you? I was sharing in Sunday school class, Adam, it's a sermon illustration about you. Hang on. One thing I love about Adam is he has a very tender heart for people. I'm very proud of him for that. But you know, when Xbox and uh, PlayStations were going online and you can talk to people from wherever, I was very hesitant, don't talk to strangers." I couldn't keep him from talking to strangers. So one day I came home, he's sitting on the couch with his Bible open, telling someone online about Jesus. How could I argue it? I was like, oh, don't talk to strangers. (laughs) But he's telling them about Jesus. You know, we need to talk to strangers too. To tell people about Jesus, the world needs to know. needs to know the gospel, the life that they can have in Christ, and we, as God's people, need to fulfill the Great Commission and let freedom ring. So, will you stand with me this morning? And we're going to have a time that if you want to come and you want to kneel in prayer, maybe you have someone in mind that you specifically want to pray for. Maybe it's that family member, maybe it's that coworker, maybe it's that friend. And you just want to pray, maybe it's for strength, courage, wisdom. Maybe where to begin. Can I just give you a little hint? If you say I don't know how to, to to share the gospel, you know, you have a story. You have a testimony to share. Start there. But tell. But maybe you're here today as well. Maybe this is the first time that you've come to church. Obviously, you're here for a reason. Maybe God's been speaking in you that what you need to do this morning is to experience the freedom in Christ. To acknowledge sin, to confess it before God, and to receive Him as your Savior. And when you believe in Him, He will remove your sin He will cast it as far as the east from the west. He will bury it in the depths of the ocean to remember no more. He won't hold it to our account. He'll clothe us in the righteousness of Christ. And we can stand before a holy and righteous King because of Jesus, righteous and with eternal life. Will you cry out to Him today? Would you come? would you come? Maybe if you would like to bow your heads. And maybe you would like to just think about that person that you could share Christ. Or I would like to come and and, and or, or Pastor Lynn, you can come to us and if you need counsel, we'd love to counsel with you. We'd love to, to share with you further how you can accept Christ this morning. Would you come? Would you come? Let me lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father we thank you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for allowing us to hear the gospel. We thank you for showing us the treachery of sin, the inevitability of death, but that through your son Jesus we can have life. Father, you loved us and you gave your only son to die on our behalf. Lord, will our hearts will our hearts appreciate, grasp all that you've done for us that would compel us like the Apostle Paul like Peter to share the gospel wherever we go Father help us give us wisdom give us direction may your life be lived in and through us let your light shine in our little worlds that people will come to you and worship you adore you have a personal relationship with you Father we thank you for all that you've done and all that you are doing for it's in Jesus name we pray Amen.